0: Be Christ's church, impact the valley, reach the world, all for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke podcast. Today, our worship minister, Paul French, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Good morning. It's good to see you all here today, and it's an honor for me to be able to share the word of God with you this morning. I've been serving here for about two and a half years, and uh, you're used to seeing the bald, bearded guy over here on the piano, and uh, I've been known to sing here and there, and uh, you have not had a chance to to hear me preach, and so I thank you that you are allowing me to do that, and. Uh, Thanks to Pastor Daniel, who uh, asked if I would preach on this day. Uh, Like I said, it's an honor and it's a joy for me to be able to do this this morning. We understand that the Word of God is living and active. We understand that when we open the Bible, we do not have to search through it to find the inspired parts. We don't have to search through it to find where in the Bible is the Word of God, as if there were parts of it that were not. We understand that when we open up the Bible... The entirety of the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to study the Word of God. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. This uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. And as we read our passage today, you'll, you'll hear that sometimes he says, I, sometimes he says, We So where does the we come from? I said it was Paul was the author. Why is he saying we? Well, we know from reading in the first chapter that Silas and Timothy are also included, but the primary author uh, is the Apostle Paul. So as he's writing this letter to the church at Thessalonica, he's encouraging them. He has seen good things that they have done, and he is encouraging them. And of course, as Christians, we are not just to remain The same and to stay the same and to never grow so he's encouraging them but he's also telling them to continue on to continue growing he wants them to continue to live a Christ-like life as they await the return of the Savior and the return of the Savior that's an interesting part because later on we're going to talk about how there may have been a little bit of misunderstanding related to the return of the Savior so Paul is encouraging this church at Thessalonica And as we look at this passage, I believe there are three things that are going to naturally emerge from this passage. The first is that Christians are to have brotherly love. It's not an option. We are to have brotherly love. It's not something that you may feel uh, you can do only if you're gifted in this, only if you feel a particular burden to have brotherly love. No, this is something that as Christians we are supposed to do. We are supposed to have brotherly love. Secondly, that brotherly love that we talked about, that will change and affect everything that we do. No matter where we are, no matter what part of life we're in, the brotherly love that we are called by God to have is going to affect everything that we do. And thirdly, our witness to the watching world is of utmost importance because we know the world is watching. They're watching us. And it's important that we are following Christ. We are doing what he has called us to do and in the manner in which he wants us to do it. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 9 through 12. Here is the word of the Lord. About brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more, to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray that as we study it, you would bless me as I seek to be faithful in expounding your truth. God, we pray that uh, you would work in each one of us. May we have ears that are open to hearing. May our minds be open. And God, we know that when we encounter the living Lord Jesus Christ, we have to leave changed. So God, we ask you, may we encounter you this morning as we read your word, and may we leave changed. And may the world see a change in us. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. So, Paul's point is very clear Christians are to have brotherly love. That's very clear in the very first verse of our passage this morning. Interestingly enough, as soon as he talks, as soon as he mentions brotherly love, he says there's no need for him to write to them. So he mentions brotherly love and he says, there's no need for me to write to you about this. Well, why is that? Why is there no need for him to write to them about brotherly love? Well, immediately following, he says, for you are taught by God. You are taught by God. Now, there could be a couple reasons or a couple uh, explanations for being taught by God. It could be that uh, many of these Christians at the church at Thessalonica were converts from Judaism. So they would have been in the synagogue. They would have read the scriptures, which at that time would have been uh, the Old Testament. So they would have known about having brotherly love. They would have studied it. So that, that could be a possibility. Um, if you know the Bible, you know that you should exercise brotherly love. However, the phrase taught by God most likely refers to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit of God was inside those who were in the church at Thessalonica. They were Christ followers. So when the Holy Spirit is within us, we know that he is our teacher. So when Paul says, you are taught by God, he's talking about the Holy Spirit of God who is living inside of them. The Holy Spirit is, is their teacher, and as such, Paul did not feel a need to give additional instruction on having brotherly love. If we look back to chapter 1, verse 3, we read, We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. A biblical commentator by the name of Marshall says this, Paul ascribes their growth in love to the sanctifying power of the Spirit. The Greek word that is translated as taught by God is a rare term, and it does not refer to any specific teaching that the Thessalonians would have previously received. So what we're talking about here is maybe a teaching from the Old Testament, maybe uh, words from Jesus himself, Um, as they were being taught by Paul and others. It's not a specific teaching that we're talking about. The Greek verb that is translated as are taught, you yourselves are taught, is present tense. And I think that's important for us to know. It's present tense. You are taught by God. It's not past tense. It's not God already taught you, now you've arrived, and now you know. You are taught by God. The Holy Spirit of God continued to teach the church at Thessalonica about brotherly love and how to have brotherly love, and as we'll see in a little bit, how to continue growing in brotherly love. He continued to teach the church there at Thessalonica, just as he continues to teach us, those of us who are bought by Jesus Christ, those of us who are Christians who are Christ followers. Love exists only because of God. And God is the only one who is fully qualified to teach us how to love one another. God's the author of love. He teaches us how to love one another. On our own, we lack the power to love one another. Have you ever felt that? I'm sure we have. Sometimes in in our flesh we can say, my goodness, that person is hard to love. But we are truly powerless. We need the strength of God. We need God to teach us how to love. We show brotherly love in the power of the Holy Spirit. So love exists only because of God, and we need his help. When God saves us, when we are regenerated, when the new birth occurs, we receive God's spirit. We read in 2 Corinthians five seventeen that the old has passed away and the new has come. One of the new things that becomes part of us is God's love. Romans 5, 5 tells us that God's love has been poured out in our hearts, Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Did you catch that? God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Through who? Through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you struggle with having the ability to love others? If you're honest with yourself, You probably will say, at least at some point in some circumstance, at some point in history, you have struggled to love someone, to show brotherly love. So let's ask another question. Do you continually struggle showing brotherly love? Is this something that you feel you can almost never do? You almost are never able to show brotherly love. Well, once we ask that question, unfortunately, I have to ask another question. And that might make us think for a while. If we do indeed struggle with that, if we feel as though we can never show brotherly love, the the next question that naturally follows is this. Does the Spirit of God dwell within me? If you have trouble... Loving one another. If you cannot show love to a brother or sister in Christ, you need to ask yourself a question. A very serious question. A question that has eternal significance. Do I have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of me? Because we know if that new birth has occurred, if that regeneration has occurred, if we are saved because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross we have, at that point of regeneration, we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. So if we continue to struggle with loving one another, we do have to ask ourselves, is the Holy Spirit of God inside of me? Am I saved? that's, That's a fruit that we should see. When we are saved and we show brotherly love, that's a reflection of Christ in us. We read in 1 John 3.14 the following. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. So if a moment ago when I asked you the question, does the Holy Spirit of God live inside of you? And if you kind of bristled up against that and said, well, what's he asking me that question for? Well, guess what? There's our justification for asking such a question. It's found in 1 John 3.14. Those who do not love remain in death. So it's an important question for us to ask. The extent to which we are able to love others will reveal much about our lives. Genuine love, brotherly love for others is a reflection of Christ in us. Therefore, if you are in Christ, you must love one another. You must love one another. We don't have an excuse not to. If you are in Christ, you must love one another. Given that the Thessalonians are taught by God to love others, Paul's point isn't necessarily to do it. His point isn't necessarily, yes, you're not loving, you need to love. His point is to remind them how they should do it. We see this in verses 11 and 12. Seek to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and work with your own hands. And here's something that that should cause us some concern. When the world seems to be better at loving others than the church when the world seems to be better at loving others than the church. That should cause us to take a look inside. We have the greatest reason to love. We have been given the greatest gift. We have the greatest story to share. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have God living inside of us. So therefore... It ought not to be that the world seems to show love better than we. We should be the examples. We should be setting the standard for showing love. Why? Because we've been given the greatest gift. We have the greatest story to share. We understand how to be saved. We understand what it was like to be dead in our trespasses and sins. And we know what it is to have a Savior. We've been given the greatest gift. We have been shown love. We ought to be able to show brotherly love. So, what that means is brotherly love will affect all that we do. Did I say brotherly love will affect some of what we do? We can kind of sprinkle it in here and there when we feel like it when someone is being particularly nice and so we feel, oh, I can love that person. No, brotherly love will affect everything that we do. We're not to be segmented. Brotherly love should affect all that we do. So since I've already asked you a couple questions, I'm gonna keep asking some questions. If brotherly love affects all that we do, why do we have church splits? Why do we have church fights? Have you ever seen a church that quarreled? I'm sure we have. Do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Truly, do we? Do we get caught up in our own selfishness that we forget to put others first? Do we hold grudges and refuse to forgive even though we've been forgiven by a perfect, holy God. Do we insist on our own preferences in the life of the church, even though there may be no biblical mandate for our preferences? Not that our preferences are unbiblical, but are we standing our ground so strongly on something that has no biblical precedent, no biblical mandate, and we're allowing that to cause division in the church? Is that Showing brotherly love when we do that? Now, you can attend a church that has solid biblical preaching. And this church could also have congregational music that is presented with excellence. But if you show up at that church and you're there and you recognize those two things, solid preaching, congregational music presented with excellence, but you still feel something is missing, that could be love. You can tell when brotherly love is missing from a congregation. You can tell when brotherly love is missing among various pockets of of any group, whether it be church, whether it be um, in your work life. If there's a division between uh, two people that are close to you, you can feel when there is a lack of brotherly love. And if love is absent from a particular church family, something is terribly, terribly wrong. So how can we begin to know if love is absent in the church? How late do people arrive for gathered worship? Now, I'm not talking about you ran into traffic or... um, little Johnny couldn't find his pants that mom had set out for him the night before, uh, or little Susie lost her socks, um, and so you're running late. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a pattern of being late, and maybe, maybe just maybe, you're coming late on purpose. Maybe you don't want to see some of the people that gather here. Maybe if you think, well, if I come just a little bit late, I'll just miss the the first song, and then I won't have to talk to other people. I won't have to show brotherly love to those people. I, i just miss the first song. It's okay. Is that showing brotherly love? It's not. Now, you may think, okay, Paul, you're the worship leader, so you probably really don't want people skipping the songs. You are correct. <laughs> that is very, very true. Good observation. But let me share something else that might help you change how you think about that. When we're gathered for worship, one of the ways that we show brotherly love to one another is lifting our voice up in song. So when you're here and you're worshiping, you're, you're not worshiping... Um, just privately, it's not just on your own. This is not a singular thing. This is a corporate thing. This is the gathered church, the body of Christ, lifting up as you've heard me say many, many times, a unified voice of praise. When you come on Sunday morning and you are singing, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus," you talk about how you sing about how sweet it is to trust His cleansing blood. And, and, and you worship with your full heart, you participate actively, when you're doing that, there might be somebody, maybe next to you, maybe behind you, maybe in front of you, maybe on the other side of the sanctuary, there may be somebody who needs to see you worshiping the Lord. Part of coming to church may be I'm going to show up, I'm going to show brotherly love, I'm going to participate actively, I am going to sing with confidence, with gratefulness, with a a spirit of worship because I love my Savior, but also because I love the church family that he has given to me. There may be somebody who needs to hear you sing about your faith, your participation in worship could be encouraging somebody else to also worship. Your participation in worship could strengthen someone's faith, could encourage them. So, if we show up late so as not to talk to people and then maybe miss part of the singing, you could be robbing yourself of the blessing of corporate worship. And you, in fact, are. But also, you could be robbing others of a blessing as well. You could be causing uh, them to miss an opportunity to be encouraged in their faith. Another question when we ask about how do we know if love is absent in the church is how quickly do they leave? Are people out of here immediately? You got to get to the restaurant before the Methodists get there. (laughs) You want to get your, your good seat make sure you don't have to wait super long. Is that more important to you than talking with others? Maybe somebody needs encouragement just from knowing somebody knowing that there is a brother or sister in the church who truly cares about them. So how quickly do people leave? We, we ought to linger and talk to people. We ought to linger and encourage one another. Another question. Are there cliques in the congregation? Is it hard for visitors and new members to break in to the life of the church? Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? If you've been here a long time and and you, you seem to have such strong relationships with those with whom you've been worshiping for so many years, that's wonderful. You should have strong relationships with those who have been here at North Roanoke with you for years. But guess what? God doesn't want North Roanoke just to have people who've been here for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40. Should I keep going? Are there maybe 50 years. God wants new people to continue to come to join those who have been here for years. We ought to have clicks. We ought to make our church a place where new people can come and feel welcomed. Does parking lot talk quickly devolve into gossip about church members, church staff, and what we don't like about what is currently happening. Ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Man, we can get, we can get into gossip so quickly. It doesn't take hardly any time for us to get into gossiping. So here's something for you to think about. If you are talking with somebody about something that you don't like in the church, and it's not just the church, it could be at work, it could be at home, it could be It could be anywhere. If you're talking with somebody about something you don't like and they don't have the power to fix it or to help it, then you're gossiping. Plain and simple. That's gossip. Now, is gossip showing brotherly love? No. Gossip is not showing brotherly love. It's so easy to fall into that trap. Satan uses gossip all the time time. So I think it's time for us to be aware of that. And I know very, very few people who seem to be immune to gossip. It is such an easy thing to fall into. So we've talked about some signs where where there's not love in the church, but let's talk about some signs where there is love in the church. Let's go in the positive direction for a while. People are real with each other. They're not superficial. They're not fake. They're real with each other. The congregational singing is joyful and robust. I tell you what, I think we probably need to get some sort of schedule or rotation where all of you can sit over there and play the piano and and sing uh, during worship because the sound that comes back at me from you guys is amazing. I love it. There are times where I have been sitting there and uh, I've been thinking, well, I'm the worship leader, but I kind of feel like they're leading me because of your singing. The joyful singing that comes out of you, that that helps your worship leaders. Jesse has felt the same thing. We've talked about this at length. I know uh, the praise team has felt that as well. The singing that you guys do is joyful. It's robust. You guys are participating. I think when I look out at you and I see your faces and I hear the singing, I think to myself, these people actually believe what they're singing. And that's a sign of love in the church, of brotherly love. And is the fellowship sweet? Do we have sweet fellowship among the brothers and sisters here at North Roanoke? That's important. We can't fake brotherly love. We can't make up for it with words. We can't build up our knowledge to compensate for the lack of it. We need to be sure that our genuinely kind actions are undergirded with brotherly love. So, doing church or being the church? We can have all the programs and services and ministries and activities of the church. We can assemble and employ all the ingredients to do church, but without love, we're merely doing church. We're not the church. Also, the people in our community who desperately need Jesus will not stick around nor Roanoke if we don't love each other. People from the outside won't come here if people on the inside don't love each other. This brotherly love should, f- should shine forth in such a way that it is unmistakable. Once we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we gain a capacity to love like we have never loved before. This love, the love that we know the church at Thessalonica had, was a reflection of their new nature. If you are saved, you too have the Holy Spirit, and you have the same capacity to love. We know that Paul was right when he said the Thessalonians had already been showing brotherly love, because in verse 10 we see that they had had been displaying this sort of love toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. Their love went far beyond their own city limits. Macedonia reached as far east as Philippi and as far west as the Adriatic Sea with Berea in between. We're talking about a very large portion. Toward the beginning of this letter, we see that there is a labor motivated by love. So there must have been many believers in the province who were recipients of the Thessalonians' love. There were newly established churches in Philippi and Berea who experienced the non-geographically bound love of the Thessalonians. So we see God blessing the faithfulness of his people as more churches are born. Individual churches were never intended to operate alone, as if an island unto itself. We are to work together. Today, many churches are struggling to survive. We see a decline in membership. We hear about internal conflicts that are often unnecessary and unchrist-like. And the world is changing faster than we can keep up with. Let us continue in acting out brotherly love. Let's not focus inwardly that we fight with brothers and sisters in Christ about the things that are not central to the gospel. Let us show brotherly love by genuinely caring for our community. Not so that we can puff ourselves up with increased membership, but so that we can see many come to faith in Jesus Christ. If we are truly showing brotherly love, we can be assured that our faithfulness to do so will have eternal significance. Love for our church... Isn't enough. We must love Christ's church. The entire church. God's love enables us to love unconditionally. This is the way that God loves his children. We should not withhold our love from others. And certainly not from those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. To do so would rob ourselves as well of those to whom our love is due. Paul makes a simple point in the first two verses that we are considering this morning. He says, love one another. Um, The the point that he's getting at is love one another. You know this, you're already doing this. Now keep doing it and do it even more. Sometimes we may ask, is that enough? Haven't I loved enough? But who is our model for love? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. There is no way we can reach that level of love. So yes, there's always room for us to continue to love. Our love must have no boundary or restraint. For the, Th- for the, Thess- the Thessalonians, they didn't choose to love only the certain Macedonians who were easy to love. They loved them all. As Christ's followers, we can't show love only for those we think are deserving of it. Should we just love our brother and sister in Christ when things are going well, when they agree with us, when we feel like it? We can't say someone is worthy of love at this moment and then the next moment say, well, you've done something and now you are no longer worthy of that love. So Paul transitions and he talks about um, something that may not seem like it's related to brotherly love, but he's talking about individual responsibility within Christian living. It's not unrelated to love because the unwillingness of believers to take care of their own responsibilities within the community will certainly disrupt the peace. He says to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So we can't put on a church hat And act in a godly way when we're here at North Roanoke, and then act however we please when we are somewhere else. We ought to live our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we are at work, Jesus is not merely a part of our workday, He sets the agenda. The same as when you're at school or with whatever you have going on in your life, He sets the agenda, He sets the calendar. So we don't have a church hat, and we don't have an other times hat. We are always functioning as children of Christ. We should always have brotherly love. So when Paul says, seek to lead a quiet life, what does he mean? Paul's referring to the whole community, not just a part of it. So he's encouraging them all to live life in this way, every one of them. Seek to lead is translated from the Greek word that means to strive after or be zealous for. What Paul is getting at is having an an ambition to lead a quiet life. Does that mean he's talking about our volume, that we should just, just be actually, literally quiet? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about resting in Christ. We can rest in the finished work Christ on the cross now there were those in the church at Thessalonica who had stopped working they had quit their jobs and uh, commentators and theologians uh, have a couple different ideas of why this may have been it's possible that they quit their jobs because they thought the return of Christ would happen at any moment which of course it certainly could but they were convinced like at the very latest It would be at the end of their lifetime. So they they were thinking, well, I mean, it could be the next week. So, I mean, I'm not going to work. Are you going to work? Nope, I'm not doing that. That's what they thought. So some of them quit their jobs. And so as time went on, of course, you know, jobs are handy because people like to eat. Um, People need to to buy uh, supplies and things of that nature. So you have to have an income. So they were relying on others in the community to provide for them. And, this is also important for us to know, the idleness that came from not working caused there to be meddlesome people. People were quarreling, people were getting in each other's business because they did not have a job. They did not have uh, a task. They were not working with their hands, as Paul has told us to do. The Christian faith is a practical faith. Sometimes we need to get our hands dirty. We need to work with our hands. Now the Greek culture in those days looked down upon any type of manual labor. So that may be another reason that people weren't working is because it it was looked down upon. That, That was for the slaves to do, not for us to do. Well... The Christian faith is not one that says we ought not to get our hands dirty. We, we should get our hands dirty. We should be working because we know that when we are working, it is actually God who is working within us. And so we see that our witness to the watching world is of utmost importance. Paul was driving that point home. He wanted the people to have a solid Christian witness. He wanted them to lead quiet lives. He wanted them to work with their hands and not be dependent on others to provide for them when they were perfectly uh, able to work. The, The world is watching. Have you noticed that? They're watching. And sometimes, and I think more oftentimes than not, they are watching so as to find us slipping up. They're watching, waiting for us, not to live out our faith. So we can't be fake. The world is watching. We are a reflection of Christ. So we need to make sure that we have a powerful witness. So this morning I ask you, how are you doing with brotherly love? Maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you're having trouble showing brotherly love toward a family member, or maybe a fellow church member. Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your co-worker. When Paul talks about having God as our teacher because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, do you wonder if you have Him living inside of you? Maybe you've been attending church for many years, but you have realized that brotherly love doesn't undergird everything you do. Well, church, let's settle that today. I'm going to ask that the musicians come forward, and as they do so, we're going to prepare ourselves to respond to the revelation of God's Word. We have heard His Word today. We know that it's living and active. We know that His Word will transform us. So now, we respond. As we worship through song, you are invited to come forward to pray on your own. And Pastor Hove is actually going to be up here as well if you would like to pray with him. If you've recently trusted Christ and want to tell the church about that, you can come forward. And if you would like to join this community of believers at North Roanoke, you too may come forward. So church, let's show brotherly love. It's not an option. It's not something we can turn on and off. It is something that should be in our entire lives. It should shape everything that we do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for an opportunity to read your word. We thank you for this church here at North Roanoke. God, we pray that you would help us to show brotherly love. May you, through your Holy Spirit, help us to be aware when we are failing to show brotherly love. God, we pray that you would encourage us this morning as we uh, have come here to worship you. God, we we pray that uh, as we sing this final closing song, that you would help us to reflect upon your goodness and the goodness that you have shown to us the love uh, that you have shown to us through Christ's sacrifice may we remember that as we seek to show others brotherly love it's in Christ's name we pray amen thank you for listening to the North Roanoke podcast you can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.